The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who had received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. We give you all the praise, Jesus. We thank you for coming into this world to show us what God looks like and to do so much more than we could have ever imagined for each and every one of us who call you Savior and Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to bring the word of God to life in our lives this morning, that we would encounter you, God. We would hear your voice. We would see your beauty. We would receive, God, from your hands what we need more than anything else this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's it's New Year's Eve. Can you believe it? It's the end of a year, the start of another. And as we transition into a new year, I want us to consider this morning this question. Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? And I'm not talking so much about this particular area, especially after Christmas. I'm thinking a little bit more holistically about how we see ourselves. When you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Do you think, God, you you did a really good job? Or do you think maybe a little more negatively about yourself? Maybe it's just easier for you to see the the shortcomings, the, the faults, the mistakes, the ugly parts 
When you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? I want to consider this question in light of our reading from the book of Isaiah this morning and what what God has to say about how he sees us now through his son Jesus Christ in a whole new and beautiful way that might transform the way you see yourself walking into this new year. The passage from Isaiah begins with this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, or as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. God has this extraordinary gift that he wants to give each and every one of us that find ourselves in relationship with Jesus. That find ourselves in Christ. He wants us to give, he wants to give us garments of salvation in a robe of righteousness. And he describes those in the context of what we would wear to a wedding. Now, typically at a wedding, you are going to wear your absolute best, especially if you're the bride or the groom, right? You want to look your best. You want to be radiant. This is the context in which he describes what he wants to give us to wear. He wants us to be dressed in his best. Now, typically, if I'm honest, I tend toward the more casual, comfortable side of what to wear. Now, I wouldn't go as far as saying that I would wear pajamas to work, which apparently is a thing now, I guess, at school. You know, some people wear pajamas to school, and I'm I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying I wouldn't go that far. But there is something about getting dressed up that's kind of fun. It's, it's nice to, to look good. It feels good to look good sometimes, right? God is saying he wants to dress us in his best. Now, to appreciate the full significance of what God is saying that he wants us to have, you have to go back to the beginning of the story. You have to go back to Genesis at the very beginning where it says that after God created Adam and Eve... It makes makes this statement. It says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were both naked and they were not ashamed. They were oblivious to the fact that they were naked. They were just enjoying the presence of God. They were enjoying life with God, fellowship with God, until they made that fatal decision of taking the fruit from the tree that God said, Don't go there. And after that, something happened. Something tragic and terrible happened when they did that. As you read on in the story from Genesis 3, it says, in chapter 3, verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now, if you translate it another way, it's naked. For some of us. They realized that they were naked. The fact that they were naked didn't change, did it? 
They had always been naked. It was their perspective that had changed. Something happened. Something lifted. Something that was in the invisible realm was covering them. The grace of God. The presence of God that had covered them. Something happened. Something lifted. And now they notice, I'm naked. And what did they feel? What happened? Well, it says, this happened. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You know, something happened in the fall. Something happened when that broken relationship with God resulted. There was this sense of shame. There was this exposure. And it caused people to move away from God. To hide from God. And we've been dealing with that problem ever since. And the beautiful thing is that from the very beginning of the story, God starts to do something about that problem. He doesn't waste any time. What we find out in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, is that the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. One of the first, thing he, first things he does to address this problem, he, makes, he, he provides them with garments of skin and he clothes them, he, he covers them. He takes it upon himself to cover us. So first lesson, you can't cover yourself. You can't cover yourself with what you need to be clothed to address this problem of nakedness. God himself has to cover you. He has to clothe you. And you see this theme throughout the story of Scripture of God covering people. You you see it in the whole sacrificial system that Israel established where they sacrificed animals to in a biblical word, atone for people's sins. Now that Hebrew word, kafar, that's used to describe atonement literally means to cover. To cover up. Throughout the Old Old Testament, you see God providing a way to cover our sin, our shame, our guilt, all the ugly parts that you and I are well aware of as human beings. You go on into the New Testament and you you see it again. You see it even in the story of the prodigal son. Most of us know that story pretty well, right? The prodigal son. When he finally comes to his senses, he realizes, what am I doing here in the pigsty when I could go home and be with my father and have his provision, sit at his table? He goes back and one of the first things, one of the first things that the father does for the son when he comes back It's not a lecture. I can't believe what you did. You should be ashamed of yourself. No, he says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 22. He says, bring quickly the best robe. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. First thing he does, he covers his son. He covers his son's shame. Of everything he had done to to turn his back on his father. 
to squander his fortune. He covers him. And not just in anything. He says, get what? The best robe. Get the best robe. I want to cover my son. I don't want to condemn him. I want to cover him with my best. It's incredible, isn't it? And you see Jesus doing that kind of thing throughout the gospel. It's not literal. It's kind of a metaphor. Even with the woman caught in adultery that's dragged before Jesus. And all of the people publicly exposed and humiliated. And the way Jesus handles it. The way he turns attention to, to the men that were judging her and condemning her. Was just this beautiful picture of Jesus covering her. Covering her in her nakedness, in her shame, in her guilt. He turns the attention away from her and onto our own issues that we all have. You see this again and again. God wants to cover us in this beautiful and profound way with his best. With what Isaiah described as a robe of righteousness. And what you also see throughout scripture is you see that that covering comes at a cost the covering comes at a cost when God made those garments of skins an animal had to die an animal had to be sacrificed for atonement to happen as Israel was following God Blood had to be shed. Animals had to be sacrificed in order to cover over our sin, our shame, our guilt. And then ultimately, I think you know where I'm going. Ultimately, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, becomes that sacrifice on the cross for us to cover our sin. In Revelation, it gives us this picture. In chapter 7, it says, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This robe of righteousness that God wants to put on you is made possible through the blood of Jesus, the loving sacrifice of your God's son so that you might be covered again. I want you to imagine for a second. Let's just uh, let's use our imaginations for a little bit, all right? I want you just to imagine with me for a moment that Jesus Christ himself walked through those doors. The king of king, in all his glory, in all his majesty, with his crown of gold, his, this, this robe flowing behind him, his royal robe, he's radiant. It's almost hard to look at him. And he walks down the aisle all the way up here to the front and then he turns to face you And to your surprise, he calls out your name. He calls out your name. And he tells you to come forward. 
And in this profound moment, on the one hand, you're filled with this sense of fear and trembling to approach the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and on the other hand, you feel this, this sense of excitement and anticipation and joy that Jesus himself has called your name to come forward to him. And so you get up and you start to make your way to the front. And the closer you get to Jesus, the harder it is for you to stand. Until finally you get to the feet of Jesus and you fall on your face before Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. And what does he do? You can't even look at him. You, you, you feel naked and exposed in the presence of his glory and his holiness and his purity and his perfect love. What does he do in that moment? This is what he does. He, he begins to take off his robe. His robe, this beautiful, radiant robe of righteousness. And he's, he throws it over your shoulders and he covers you in his righteousness. He covers you in his best. Can you feel that robe over your shoulders? And, and as that happens, it, it's almost as if, you know, the weight of that guilt and that shame starts to lift. You feel lighter. You feel the warmth and the presence of God. This is what Jesus has done for us that, that have received him as our Lord and our Savior, as our King, as our God. And the, I think the more extraordinary thing is how that was made possible. That this King of Kings, this Lord of Lords, was stripped naked himself. Which is what would have happened to somebody that was being crucified on the cross. He was stripped naked, beaten, tortured, humiliated in front of everyone and hung on the cross. He, he became naked and exposed for all of us so that we might be covered. And, and not in just anything, but in his glory, covered in his righteousness. This is profound, isn't it? You can't make this sort of stuff up. <laughs> You can't, can you? This kind of profound story of God coming in the form of his son so that we might be clothed in his righteousness. And something happens when, something happens when that reality starts to sink in, when we experience the covering of God in our lives and the robe of righteousness around our shoulders. It takes our eyes off of ourselves which is part of the problem, isn't it? We're covered in his righteousness now. We don't have to worry about, you know, putting on a good show anymore, trying to measure up, trying to earn a position in the Father's house. We can start to focus our eyes on him, in his glory, his goodness, his mercy, his love. And as we look at God in that moment, we see from him this, this look of 
delight and joy and love. Not condemnation or judgment. It's right, it's right there in this passage from Isaiah that we read. Which goes on to describe how God sees us now. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no longer be termed forsaken or your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you. Wow. He delights in you. You are the one in whom he says is my delight. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? That the King of kings and Lord of lords, that's how he sees us now through his son and his sacrifice for us. He sees us as beautiful, a crown of beauty, like a royal diadem, something precious, something of great worth and value. So how does that affect what we, what we see when we look in the mirror now. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably more people that look in the mirror and don't like what they see than those that look in the mirror and are perfectly content with what they see. How does this affect the way that we see ourselves when we consider how God now sees us covered in that robe of righteousness? Covered in his glory. On the one hand, it, it's good to be aware of our, our fallen nature. We are broken. There's a part of us that is sinful and it's wrong and it's evil. But there is something glorious about us now. Through what Christ has done for us. God doesn't see all of that ugliness. He sees something beautiful when he looks at you. When he looks at you, he thinks to himself, you look really good in my son's righteousness. You look really good in my son's righteousness. And when that happens... It, it, I think it, make it makes it a little easier for us to shine in the darkness. It makes it a little easier of, for us to go out into the world and shine. To share the glory of God in our lives. When we're not so focused on all of our shortcomings and problems and ugliness and imperfections. And we can be a little bit more focused on Him. And what He's calling us to do to bring His light into the world. Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? God does. He likes what he sees. Let's pray.
God, this is, a, this is an awesome and profound thing that you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. Covering us. This robe of righteousness that we don't deserve. But you are somehow pleased to give us In this new year, we, we pray for a fresh perspective. A different way of, of seeing ourselves, which helps us to see you in a different way. I just pray for a grace for all of us. When we look in the mirror this year, we, we see something different. We see you more clearly. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you haven't just covered us. You've come into us to make us new, to make us like you. Come, Holy Spirit, and continue that beautiful work inside of us. Open our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen.